Welcome to Bible study. It's a great privilege to be able to come together, open the Word of God, and learn. In the last couple of months, we are looking at this subject of education. And we talked about education in the Garden of Eden. We talked about family, the law as a teacher, Jesus as a master teacher, worship in education, education and redemption, the church and education. Also, we talk about arts and science, the Christian at work. But we come to a topic today, Sabbath, experiencing and living the character of God. The Sabbath is a symbol of God's never-ending faithfulness and his desire to completely provide for our needs. Weekly, when the Sabbath comes, we can rest assured that even if our work is incomplete, God knows our needs and he will provide. This was so nicely demonstrated by the story of the manna in the Old Testament. The Sabbath, it's a reminder that when it comes to our salvation, God has done it all. I would like to introduce our panel for today. And I would like to say welcome to Pastor Will Grobler. Good to have you with us, Will. Thank you. I'm always challenged to be with you folks. And thank you for joining us today, Brenton from uh, down southeast. Thank you, Nick. Uh, this is going to be an absolute pleasure to share the blessings of the Sabbath with our audience. I'd like to welcome Joe also. Thank you, Nick. Good to be here again. And Len, good to have you with us. Thanks, Nick. Hello, listeners. Lija, it's good to have you with us again also. Yes, I'm very excited to be part of the Bible study. And Ken, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nick. Pleasure to be here. As you can see, we have a large panel. And Marek is our facilitator for today. Marek, thank you for uh, preparing this uh, wonderful study today. And I'm looking forward for this. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And I hope that you can handle this large panel today. <laughs> well, we'll do our best. Well, just mention to our listeners that we are still on Zoom. And if the sound quality will be a little bit challenging, we apologize for that. Marek, I would like to just hand it over to you. Would you be able to take us through, please? Good. Good. Thank you, Nick. It's a privilege to facilitate this week's discussion on the Sabbath. It's an intriguing title, Sabbath, Experiencing and Living the Character of God. Personally, I must confess that I'm passionate about the topic of the Sabbath. For me and for my family, it's been an important spiritual practice and the tradition that is now being passed on to the fifth generation. Whenever our grandchildren join us for the weekend, I always love to hear them say that this is the best day of the week. But for us as a panel, we are faced with a, a tremendous challenge in uh, discussing this topic because of the very short segment of time that we have. And so this short period will not allow for us to look at it in a very exhaustive uh, manner, but we sure want to highlight some of the significant biblical points and teachings about the Sabbath. But before we come to the discussion, could I ask us to just reverently 
bow our heads and ask for the Lord's guidance and his blessing upon this discussion. Len, would you be kind enough to lead us in prayer? Father in heaven, we have an awesome responsibility of presenting the truths that are found in your word to our listening audience. We pray, Lord, that we will handle the scriptures honestly and reverently and that our listeners may know that we earnestly seek to know truth ourselves and present it to them. And so we invite your spirit to be present with us today to speak for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. The key text that leads us into our discussion is a text found in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. Would someone like to read that text for us? This is Jesus speaking, and it says, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, these two particular verses are very, very rich with meaning. But what he's saying there is that Sabbath was made for the benefit of mankind. The Sabbath wasn't made just for the Jews. You'll notice the wording, Sabbath was made for man. A lot of people say, oh, well, Sabbath was given to the Jews. Of course it was, but it um, occurred long before that. Just after creation, the six days of creation, God made the Sabbath. Now, I want to point something out that some of you may never have noticed, maybe even on our panel today. It speaks, the article here is the Sabbath. It is not a Sabbath. And there's a big difference. For example, if I use uh, this in another way, if we say the king is coming, or if we say a king is coming, there's a difference. The Sabbath is the main thing, not just one of many. And I'm very aware that some people have the idea, well, as long as you keep one day holy, that's all right. But according to what this verse says and other verses which we're going to talk about soon, it's not all right because God is quite specific. So the Sabbath was actually given for man's benefit. And as I said before, it was established back at the time of creation long before there was ever a Jew on this planet. It's made for all mankind. Thank you, man. It's uh, it's interesting to note the context in which Jesus spoke these words. We know that Jesus faithfully observed the Sabbath. He worshipped on the day, the record tells us, that he would often go into the synagogue. But what was difficult for him was that often his perspective on the Sabbath and its observance differed from that of the theological hierarchy of his time. The approach to the Sabbath was very legalistic. The Sabbath was burdened with so many rules and regulations that Christ was forced into saying, sorry, you know, the Sabbath was made to be a day of pleasure, a day of restoration, a day of rest. It was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And there he established his own role and status and relationship to the Sabbath by proclaiming him, Self to be the Lord of the Sabbath. It's, it's interesting, Glenn, you, you make reference to the Sabbath as being established at the time of creation. Now, admittedly, unless Adam and Eve were 
labeled as being Jewish, you're absolutely right. It was established for mankind, for humanity, not for a specific ethnic cultural group. So when we look at the experience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it's quite fascinating to note that immediately after they were created, they had the opportunity to observe a Sabbath. Will, would you be able to comment on that a little bit more? Yes, certainly. The Sabbath, I don't believe, was instituted to regiment mankind to keep it, to just obey. And Almighty God could have commanded that, of course, but it was given for the benefit of mankind to draw everyone closer to him by rest and communion. I've often wondered uh, why the Sabbath followed immediately after the creation of Adam. And uh, here we have Adam emerging from the hand of his creator. Uh, Think of it with his nervous system tingling and his muscles brimming with energy, ready to embark on activity and work. But God, and I say this respectfully, says to him, let's rather rest and I will rest with you. He might have asked rest. Uh, Clearly, Adam would first enter into a relationship with his creator, putting work aside, resting in the finished work of God, getting to know him, then going out to fulfill the responsibilities of the day after the Sabbath was over. Now, may I just say that in connection with the Sabbath rest today, there is a close parallel to the experience of Adam here. Let me say that the Lord's intention is the same. We are drawn aside from our allotted employment and strenuous activity, even doing our own thing, as we like to do, to celebrate a finished work of recreation, salvation, enjoying communion and alone time with our Creator, listening to His instruction, giving our hearts an opportunity to respond to His loving approach. So the many responsibilities confronting us for the week are laid aside, They lay aside until we have topped up our spiritual and physical batteries again to be ready for the wholesome activity in the days, in the the week that lies ahead. That's how I see the Sabbath. Thank you. Clearly, at the beginning, during the week of creation, the emphasis was very much on communion with God, having that time to establish a relationship with God. There's no doubt that by the time we come to the uh, commandments as they were given on Mount Sinai, there the focus is on taking rest from work. And I, I think there, you know, it takes on very special relevance for us because today we, we, we live in a, in a society at a time when we have become victims of busyness. And so often people very proudly will say, I am so busy, they say it with a degree of pride. But, you know, the Sabbath reminds us that there is a need to rest, to pause, to cease from our work and to be able to commune with our Creator, with our God. Len, you have a comment. I'd like to say that what we're talking about today is a gift, a gift from God. Now, Christmas is just around the corner and people will be giving gifts. But it seems to me that many people reject God's gift and uh, say, well, I'm, I'm not particularly interested in that. But it is a gift to us. Just think of it. If somebody gives you a, a very special gift for Christmas and you say, well, I'm not interested in that, well, it's really an insult to the giver. And by not observing the Sabbath is basically saying, I reject the gift. Good. Thank you, Ben. It's interesting that that we oftentimes associate gifts with material things, don't we? 
I mean, we love to give our, uh, our loved ones uh, special little gifts, you know, for, for the kids, a little toy, for perhaps a spouse, an item of clothing and so forth. But, panel, what is the greatest gift that we can ever share with anyone? I believe that the greatest gift we have as mankind is time, something none of us can buy. We can't get it back. We can't extend it. It's in the hands of God. And I believe share time with anyone is really a special gift because all of us these days seem to be running short of time. doesn't matter if we're working, not working, retired, whatever. Time always seems to be going at a million miles an hour. So to share time when you're busy or have other things to do with someone perhaps that's in need or someone that's feeling low or needs help or is having a difficult time, share time, I think, is the, one of the greatest gifts you can give mm-hmm. them. Brendan. Uh, just to, uh, in addition to what Ken has said, the gift of time, I believe, Marek, is, is the greatest gift that we can be given. But um, the gift of time has to be utilised wisely. I believe associated with the gift of time is the gift of attention, attending to or communicating with the one that you are with. A study done recently found that the average American father spends 38 seconds per day in meaningful communication with his children. Now, I'm not saying that he only spends 38 seconds a day with his children, but meaningful communication is very, very limited. I think the Sabbath reminds us, Marek, that we need to spend more time hearing, hearing the voice of God through the word, through nature, through all sorts of things. We need to listen more. And uh, in listening more, we come closer and closer to to being uh, like the Lord. I think this gift of time, everyone says they're time-starved, but if you stop and analyse what they're spending their time on, what are they spending their time on? Are they spending their time on getting to know God or are they spending their time on things that they want to do for themselves? Mm-hmm. So I see it as the gift of time is the vital one, but how you spend that time and who you spend that time with, I think, is is the crux of the matter. Thank you. So, so just coming back to Mark 2, 27 and 28, the Sabbath was made for man. This is God's greatest gift to mankind. It's a gift in time. It's a very significant gift because in many ways it comes to us free of charge, but that gift is wrapped in countless blessings. If we would accept God's gift of the Sabbath, we receive with it the promise of health, the promise of happiness and prosperity, just to name a few. There are so many promises that come attached with it. And, and you know, as a gift coming from God, it's a gift that nobody can take away from us. No political power can deprive us of that gift. I uh, I do remember reading a beautiful account of a prisoner in Auschwitz who would stand by the wide fence on the Friday afternoon as he would see the sun sink in the West. He would say to himself, I am a free man because it's the Sabbath. It's a mind thing. It's a spiritual experience, and it's a gift that God has given to us right back there in creation. And clearly the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. But there is a second aspect to that text. When Jesus proclaims himself to be the Lord of the Sabbath, what exactly is Jesus trying to establish here? Uh, Would anyone like to comment? Len? He was the creator, of course, 
and he was the one who actually gave it. I would like to focus on something which I think is very, very important. You know, a lot of people have the idea that Sunday is the day of worship. And the only text they use to back that up is Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, where the prophet John says, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard this, I won't go on with the rest of the text. There they say, there you are, the Lord's day is Sunday, but there is no proof of that. That text doesn't say that. However, what you've just referred to in um, Mark chapter 2, verse 28, Jesus says, I am the Lord of Sabbath, but I want to give you another text which supports that. It's back in Isaiah 58, 13. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, mm -hmm. speaking, it's the Lord. So the Lord's day clearly is defined as being the Sabbath, mm -hmm. not Sunday. This text they use from Revelation doesn't prove anything except that perhaps the Lord's Day is Sabbath. Well, we know that's the case because of those two other things. But I believe this is very important. And those of you listening to my voice and our voices today, you must recognize that the Sunday worship is a substitution which man has made, but God has not made. The Sabbath is being blessed and sanctified, which we'll deal with in some time. It's a special day that God has given, and it's for us to keep and re remember that he is our God. Mm, thank you. That's a wonderful point. I appreciate that, Len. Uh, yes, uh, Nick, you have a comment. I just want to reiterate again on the fact that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And the implication with that. We may hear around that the Sabbath was given to a certain group of people, like to the Jewish or, you know, some other people keeping Sabbath. But Jesus is eternal. Jesus instituted Sabbath. God instituted Sabbath at the creation. And we are not talking about here the Sabbath belonging to a group of people. We are talking about the holy day which God instituted on the seventh day when he rested. And I believe this is a very powerful argument to ponder on and to think of that uh, if we really want to serve Jesus Christ and follow him in regard to the Sabbath, mm -hmm. then we should uh, mm -hmm. understand uh, his connection with this day. Thank you. Thank you. Joe, you had a comment. Another aspect of Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath was that just like that example that Jesus gave of you know, if a mule were to fall into a pit, wouldn't she pull it out on the Sabbath day? And they, the Jewish race, had actually become that mule, if you like. They had fallen into a pit of their own making. They had put all sorts of burdens on the Sabbath and had lost completely the meaning and what God had intended, as we have already touched on, the communion, the reconsecration, the special time. And so being the Lord of the Sabbath, he had come to whisk away to take you know throw the rubbish out and to reinstitute um, and highlight the importance of the sabbath kept in the right way mm. as the lord of the sabbath thank you. you know all over this day of the sabbath you could almost think of it as a trademark the sabbath was made by god 
And what's wonderful and what's been already highlighted that I very much treasure, it has no expiry date. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, initiated the Sabbath. We enjoy the Sabbath throughout our life, and the Sabbath is something that we will continue to enjoy throughout eternity. But panel, when people say, why does it have to be the seventh day? Why can't it be the first day of the week, which we take to be Sunday? Or why can't it be the third or the fifth day of the week or any day of the week, as long as we have a regular day of rest? Now, that question comes up fairly often. But I think there are some things that really set the Sabbath apart from every other day of the week. And so when we when we look at the creation account, when the Sabbath was instituted, there are two very special words that are being used in reference to the Sabbath. The first one of those words is blessed. God blessed the Sabbath day. And the other is the word holy. God made it holy. Now, I want to have a look at those two words because I think they are significant. The word blessed and the word holy, because if God places his blessing upon a word, uh, upon a day, if God makes it holy, it can't be just any other day of the week as long as it's a regular rest day. This day is set apart from every other day. Let's have a close look at the meaning of the word blessed and also at the occurrence of uh, of that word in the Genesis account. Uh, Lydia, I'm wondering, could you read for us Genesis 1, verses 20 to 22? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 20 to 22, it says, Let the water, and God said, Let the water from the living creatures and let birds fly above the uh, the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. Wonderful. Thank you for that. So here we see the creation of everything that lives in the water and all the birds of the air. God blessed these creatures. Now, we see a second reference uh, uh, to the word blessed in Genesis 1, verses 24 and 28. So would you kindly summarize what those texts tell us? Yes, Marek. Those texts refer to God creating all the other animal life apart from the, the birds and the fish, all the animal life and of course Adam and Eve and in verse 28 it says and God blessed them and God Mm. said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it the fish of the sea over the the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth so we have here another blessing and this is on the animal life and Adam and Eve that they were to be fruitful and multiply and um, replenish the earth Wonderful. So great to know that God created the things that we were to enjoy, things like birds and, and fish and animals, and he blessed them. I, When I read these passages here, I, I'm just impressed with the fact that if God blesses something and God de- declares something as, as being good and very good, that it really behooves us to show special care to these creatures, to respect the things that God has created. So here we see the use of the word blessing. Len, you have a comment. A very quick comment. 
What does this word blessed mean? Well, it actually means made it to prosper. So when God blesses, it's made to prosper. And we are looking at this word in context with the Sabbath, and we'll come to that soon, and I'm not going to steal anybody's thunder. But blessed means made to prosper. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Nick, I would like for you to read Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, where the word blessed is used for the third time in the context of the creation account. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. So here are three times, three occasions when God blesses something. He blesses the creatures that he created, that lived in the water and uh, and in the air. He blessed the animals that he created. But here he blesses the Sabbath, places his special blessing. Now, the word blessing, as has already been mentioned by you, man, means to bestow as a gift, to bring happiness, to make something prosper. But when we come to the Sabbath, not only is the day blessed by God, but as we have read already, God made it holy. Not just a blessing. The blessing is mentioned, the day is blessed, but it is made holy. In relation to the word holy, I want to share a comment uh, with you that comes from one of my favorite authors, Abraham Heschel. It's from his book, The Sabbath, which I highly recommend to our listeners. And it's there where he emphasizes the significance of God making time holy, holiness in time. He states this, the Bible is more concerned with time than with space. It sees the world in the dimension of time. Sabbath, Sabbath time is our great cathedral. In the Bible, words are used with exquisite care. One of the most distinguished words in the Bible is the word quadosh, holy, a word which more than any other is representative of the mystery and the majesty of the divine. Now, what was the first holy object in the history of the world? Was it a mountain? Was it an altar? It is indeed a unique occasion at which the distinguished word quadosh is used for the first time. In the book of Genesis, at the end of the story of creation, how extremely significant is the fact that it is applied to time. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. There is no reference in the record of creation to any object in space that would be endowed with the quality of holiness. To the Bible, it is holiness in time, the Sabbath, which comes first. When history began, there was only one holiness in the world. It was holiness in time. You know, when we look at the use of the word blessed and made holy in reference to the Sabbath, Panel, what would your comments be and response be to someone who says, well, can it be any other day? Does it need to be the seventh day? Nick, you have a comment, and then Len, you would like to comment. Yes, Marek, I was uh, just thinking of this, and uh, I remember again some years ago when I have a conversation with my eldest brother. He's an Orthodox, and he approached me one day when I, uh, you know, after I understood 
the Sabbath day and what that means to keep it holy. And he asked me a question which stays with me since then. He said, why I cannot keep Sunday as you keep your Saturday as holy? Because uh, we were working at the farm and, uh, you know, he was trying to keep Sunday as a holy day. This passage in the Bible which came to my mind, and I said to him, my brother, I believe you cannot keep it holy because God didn't bless it and sanctified it. How can you keep a day holy if it's not blessed and sanctified? Let's think of it in terms of birthday. When is your birthday? If you have a specific date or day for your birthday and you don't celebrate your birthday on that date, well, it's not, <laughs> it's not the same thing because God was quite specific. Now, I want to say something else here too. I've read the Ten Commandments as given in the Douay Bible, which is basically a Catholic version, and I've also read it in my friend's Bible, and he's a Lutheran. And what it says there amazed me. As for the Fourth Commandment, it said, Keep one day for worship. Hang on. I thought, it doesn't say keep the seventh day. It just says keep a day of the week for worship. Now, that's entirely not what God intended. God intended that the seventh day of the week be the commemoration. It's the blessed and sanctified day, the day that he made holy. So if people go to worship on another day of the week, well, it's not a holy day. It's a day they've just chosen to worship, which is a real pity because I think, as Nick has already pointed out, there is a special blessing in doing what in doing what God requires on the day that he's made holy. Now, if you get up in the morning, the sun shines as it does in any other day, at least if it's a sunny day. It's normal in the sense of you can't observe any difference in nature, but it is different because God has put his stamp on it. Now, before I leave this point, you have a Polish uh, background, don't you, Mary? Yes. What do you call Saturday in Polish? In Polish, we would say Sabbat. Sabbat. Yeah. Now, Nick, you come from Romania. What do you call a Saturday in Romania? Sambata. Okay. Joe, what do you call Saturday in Serbian? Subota. So all these words are still retained in the language and they all say the Sabbath. In English, we've changed. We call it Saturday, and I won't go into where we get the names, but here in these, well, I won't say ancient languages, the word Sabbath is still enshrined in the days of the week, and I think there are about 110 or 120 or 150 languages used in the world today. It's still called Saturday Sabbath. Yes, that's so true. Thank you very, very much for that point, Ben. So why shouldn't we keep any other day of the week than Sabbath? So as we read before, after God, the creator, after he finished his creation, it says that he stopped and he rested. He rested himself from all his work. Do you think God got tired of all these creating things? I don't think so. And he blessed 
the seventh day and made it holy. So he sanctified the seventh day because on it he rested from all the work. So God himself rested. So he set aside, he said he made it holy this day, he sanctified it and set aside for holy purpose, for holy use, to have fellowship with his creatures. So this is an eternal memorial of our origins. God himself set aside this day. When people read the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, the commandment says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay? All right. And I guess there are a lot of people in the community who do remember that this is the day that God created for a special day of worship. But the commandments are repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. There it doesn't say remember. King James says, keep the Sabbath day. In the NIV, it says, observe the Sabbath day. So it's not just a matter of remembering. It's a, it's a matter of doing as well. Thank you, man. You know, we, we could nominate any day as a day of rest. But when God blessed and made a day holy, only God can make something holy. A human being cannot make something holy. It's not an attribute of our humanity, but it is an attribute of divinity. Yes. And so, uh, so it does make it very holy because it brings me to the next point where God invites us to be holy as he is holy. And in that context, he calls us into communion with him on the Sabbath day. And through that communion, he wants to uh, lift mankind to a different level of existence where the emphasis on is on, on spiritual aspects, not just materialistic aspects. But I'm also fascinated by the fact that uh, throughout the books of the Old Testament, we have reference to the Sabbath as a sign between humanity and God. Would anyone like to comment on that? And I, I would really appreciate if someone could potentially share with us the reading from Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Just before you go into that passage, Marek, I just want to mention on that aspect of uh, we being holy. Talking about the Sabbath, the Holy Sabbath. You know, Jesus said to the Jewish leaders of the time, you wash the exterior of the plate, but inside is not good. Which means you cannot just pretend that you are holy. You need to act in a holy way. We need to be set aside as a holy people and that's God's intention with us and if we just keep Sabbath because that's what the Bible says and inside and all in our thoughts and in our action we are all filthy then what's the point of keeping the Sabbath mm, thank you so how can the Sabbath become a sign between us and God who would like to read uh, Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 12 then do you have that passage open Yes, I do. I'll give the reference again. It's Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 20. It says, Keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between us. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Now, who's the us? Well, it's talking about God and you. It's a sign that you are one of God's true followers. 
And I read it again at Ezekiel 20, verse 20. Keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between us. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So it's a sign that you belong to God. You truly belong to God. Mm. That you keep the Sabbath which he has designed and given as a gift holy. Thank you, Len. There are many references to the Sabbath as a sign. I'm wondering, just as, a, as an example, could we possibly read one more passage, Exodus 31, 13? Brendan, would you be kind enough to share that passage with us? Certainly. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. A couple of interesting points here, um, I guess... First of all, if you compare the worship of the true God with the worship of the nations around about them, they worshipped also. They worshipped idols, they worshipped gods they didn't know anything about. The whole basis of false religion is based around one thing, making yourself good enough or offering enough sacrifices to that deity or being in order to appease them or mollify them and make them favourably disposed towards you. What God is actually saying in this particular text is, by keeping my Sabbath, you are remembering or recognising, present tense, that I am the one who is making you holy. The word sanctify, as we all know, means to make holy, to set apart for a sacred use. So every time we celebrate the Sabbath, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile like ourselves, every time that takes place, we are remembering that God's sign, the Sabbath, is an evidence that he is making us holy. So each Sabbath when we meet together and worship together, we can rest. We can be joyful in the fact that God is doing the work in our lives. It's not us trying to recommend ourselves to him. Wonderful. Thank you, Brendan. Appreciate that. Ken, you have a comment. I just wanted to add something which I feel is important. The day when you talk about Sabbath, they say, oh, but that was only for the Jews. I, it's very clear that uh, it was the Israelites, uh, the first day God and Eve, the first Sabbath keepers, I believe. But all through generations, the Sabbath is meant to be kept by all people. Yes. And yes. God tells in his word, he's the God, he changes not, and mm. neither does his laws. Yes, thank you. And and admittedly, many of these Old Testament prophets had a lot to say about the Sabbath, and Isaiah was one of them. And uh, and what's really wonderful is that not only does he speak of the Sabbath as a sign, but he speaks of the Sabbath as something that we will continue to maintain throughout eternity. He refers to the, the meeting from Sabbath to Sabbath in the new heavenly kingdom when God restores the world. You know, you'll we'll see this beautiful continuity right from the Garden of Eden through to the new heaven which he will which he will provide. But coming back to our day and time now, as we face personal stresses, family and relationship issues, work pressures, financial and economic difficulties, where we witness different ecological disasters and pandemics, I'm impressed by the fact that the Sabbath has the power to bring healing and restoration. If we would only learn and re-educate ourselves in relation to the importance and centrality of the Sabbath in our lives. When we look at our busyness, we sometimes fail to understand the consequences and the price that is associated with that busyness. And I, I was kind of struck by a comment that was made by uh, by an author uh, when I read his book recently. Wayne Mueller 
of Harvard University, who, by the way, is not Jewish or Adventist, he authored the book Sabbath Rest, Restoring the Sacred Rhythm of Rest, where he appeals to people to restore the practice of the Sabbath. He makes a powerful observation when he highlights how our modern striving for success, security, and status has enslaved us to unceasing labor, which in turn becomes a form of violence in our lives. Let me quote a paragraph from his book. A successful life has become a violent enterprise. We make war on our bodies, pushing them beyond their limits. War on our children, because we cannot find enough time to be with them when they are hurt and afraid and need our company. War on our spirit, because we are too preoccupied to listen to the quiet voices that seek to nourish and refresh us. War on our communities because we are fearfully protecting what we have and do not feel safe enough to be kind and generous. War on the earth because we cannot find the time to place our feet on the ground and allow us to feed us, to taste its blessing and to give thanks. Panel members, what a true reflection of the, on, of the times that we live in. But realistically, do you think that our social and ecological problems are linked to our spiritual neglect and oversight. Can separation, divorce, disease, illness, and pandemics be linked to a distorted view of life and our forgetfulness of the Sabbath? I would so much appreciate your comments because that's where the rubber hits the road. Len, what is your comment and observation? Well, I think it's being recognised that many of our environmental problems that are being spoken about these days is because we keep flogging the planet for everything it's got. And I heard a comment, I can't recall who was the author of it, who said that you Seventh-day Adventists, you do the planet good because on the Sabbath you rest. You're not flogging it and using the resources like happens through the week. So... I'm not sure about all those things, but I'm aware of the planet by simply giving it a rest that we wouldn't have so much pollution, we wouldn't have so much demand on everything, and so the Sabbath rest is good for the planet, at least. (laughs) If we look at the planet as a patient, what we have done to our planet has certainly undermined its immune system, and the poor planet is struggling because of that. Now, I, I saw, Brenton, you wanted to make a comment and then Nick. Oh, just very quickly, uh, Marek. The interesting point about uh, the rest that we continually are referring to in our study today is this. You can't have the Sabbath rest that God intended you to have if you haven't been building towards that throughout the week. In mm. other words, your attitude, uh, both psychologically, emotionally and everything else, should be building towards that peak where... During the week, even in all the activities of the week, we still put God first in our lives. Then when we come to the Sabbath, it's not a case of having to switch off from what you're doing during the week. It's a case of just going to a deeper level than you were doing during the previous six days. Thank you. Thank you. Nick, you had a comment. I was just going to say that uh, we still continue to live from the ground, are we? Even though we spend so much energy and time and money to know about other planets and all other things, we still neglect to respect the laws of nature and to protect this earth as our source. 
mm. also mm. Of, for for our needs. Now I remember as I grew up again at the farm that we used to have years of rest. Now in the Bible we may not get to that aspect today probably the sabbatical years all those things but we will allow the fields to rest for a whole year not growing any crops mm-hmm. and rotate our crops that will produce a reasonable amount of food which we needed and we are self sufficient at that time which god intended for us we are not just relying on uh, buying from the shelf everything what we needed we produced i just wanted to add that many people forget that uh, the human being is a two-part body there's a physical and there's a spiritual and the spiritual needs regenerated as much as the physical body and that's where the sabbath also comes in yes, yes thank you and of course it's not difficult to see how our business can be le- uh, linked not only to disease and illness but also to social problems and family family problems separation and divorce often occurs on account of the fact that there is an absence of intimacy if we are so busy that we don't have time to spend quality time with our spouses and children it's no wonder that some of these things uh, arise as a consequence yula makes a, another interesting statement which uh, which kind of captured my attention if we don't allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives illness becomes our sabbath our pneumonia our cancer our heart attack Our accidents create Sabbath for us. Isn't that true? We can undermine the immune system of the planet and see ecological disasters, but you know, at that personal level, oftentimes our business leads to a very compromised immune system, compromised health, where illness is the uh, is is the consequence. Now, I have two comments, Len and uh, and Brendan. Go ahead. Well, I just like to point out where he uses this word Sabbath. it's a word which really means rest but in the when it's got a capital s it's a special day of rest that god has given so when he says um our cancer and our heart attacks etc etc they become our sabbath they cause us to slow down and rest mm-hmm. it doesn't actually mean the seventh day sabbath which has been the focus of what we've been talking about Yes, no, no good point. It's uh, it's he draws the the attention to the fact that sometimes the neglect of maintaining the Sabbath leads to periods of time in our lives where that broken leg <laughs> is an enforced rest that we may not hope for, but uh, sooner or later uh, it catches things do catch up with us. Brendan, you had a cough. Yes, just quickly, uh, Marek, I wanted to share uh, with not only the panel but also with our listeners the best Sabbath I can recollect in the last 25 years. We're on a Pathfinder uh, expedition up at Burrow Creek Gorge and on the Sabbath we um, enacted the play on the story of Esther and then after that we had invited a, a man who was an amateur ornithologist to come and uh, visit with us for the day. He took us on a walk along uh, the creek at Barra Creek Gorge or also known as World's End Creek in the space of about 1 and 1/2 kilometers we found 27 different species of birds and as he explained the reasons as to why they were doing what they were doing i felt marek that this was one of the most wonderful sabbaths i'd ever had mm. out in god's nature all i could hear was the wind going through the gum trees mm. the birds who were following us 
and him explaining exactly what was taking place. He said that birds are curious. He said, if you're quiet when you walk, birds will follow you. <laughs> and he was explaining all of this. And I went back to yeah. the camp and I said to my wife, this is one of the most wonderful Sabbath experiences I've had. You know, to be able to enjoy that, as you have shared with us, Brandon, it literally takes time. Yes. We have to slow down. We have to accept that gift from God of ceasing, of, of resting, of stopping from our labors so as to be able to enjoy all of those quality experiences that you're referring to. Of course, it's only when we slow down and cease from our labor that our lives can become a little bit more balanced, that there is time to enjoy nature. Uh, there is time for love, for friendship, for prayer, for singing. It, it's, there is time to share some of the intimate graces that make, uh, make time very special in our life. And, uh, and if we learn to rest, we will learn to live with our friends, with our family, with our neighbors. We will learn to foster friendships, community, and, and we will have time to even consider those who are less fortunate than ourselves, the hungry, the poor, the widow, and the orphan. All of this can be the blessing that we will experience and, and, and a blessing that not only for us, but a blessing for others. I'm mindful that we are running out of time, and there is so much more that we could discuss in relation to the Sabbath. You know, when you look at the Old Testament, you, you have this wonderful seven-year agricultural cycle, which is based on the concept of the seven-day weekly cycle. Uh, we have social justice issues mentioned in the context of, of the Sabbath. Tom said in his book, uh, Rediscovering the Lost Meaning of the Sabbath, he says the seventh day must be seen as the launching pad for the most exceptional and ambitious project of social justice in the ancient world. Now, if we were to study Micah and Amos, we would see exactly how social justice issues relate to the Sabbath. There are also welfare issues that are linked to the Sabbath. Human and animal protection rights are linked to the Sabbath. They are found right there in the fourth commandment regarding the Sabbath. Inheritance, uh, wealth, equality, and so forth, ownership, all of these are linked to the Jubilee Sabbaths, which are, again, based on the uh, on the model of the seven-day weekly Sabbath. So we could say that the whole spiritual, social, and agricultural existence of the model nation of Israel was based on the Sabbath principle. And, and if time was to permit, we could go into this detail to see that the Sabbath is not just a matter of stopping from work. The Sabbath's meaning goes well, well beyond that. And I, I am just very, very impressed when I look at these other topics. But the comment I wanted to make is that sometimes it's so easy to make the Sabbath just about ourselves, you know, having that me time. And I think you put it beautifully, that is time also to reach out to the community, to those less fortunate, to anyone that is with, you know, just reach out to everyone. Um, it's not just about focusing on oneself because that is more selfishness, isn't it? And that's what we are coming to God to help us deal with and set aside Yes, and Joe, I, I really appreciate you making that point because it literally leads into the next uh, topic that I want to discuss, looking at the New Testament. We want to focus on Christ's ministry of healing. And, uh, and this is a very significant topic because almost every gospel, well, in each uh, of the gospels, there is special mention of miracles of healing that Christ performed on the Sabbath. We find them in Matthew 12, Mark 1, 3 in Luke 13, 
and 14. And these accounts are really, really significant because it gave rise to flashpoints of controversy with the religious hierarchy of Christ's time. And it was the result of these controversies that ultimately led the Pharisees to try and force silence on Jesus and to stop him from healing on the Sabbath. Ultimately, it uh, it paved the way to the cross. But what I want to ask you, when the temple leaders, rulers, and the Pharisees accused Christ of working on the Sabbath by performing miracles and, and healing and restoring uh, people to wholeness, how can we reconcile that example of Jesus with the concept of the Sabbath? Would anyone like to comment on that? Brendan, perhaps you could read for us uh, John five seventeen. Certainly. Happy to do it, Murray. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. That's verse 17 of John 5. Just a little bit of background. Jesus had healed a man who had been born crippled uh, on the Sabbath day. Now, what's interesting about the thinking in those days regarding Sabbath observance is this. Apparently, if you were chronically ill, you could not seek um, healing on the Sabbath. If you had an emergency situation, such as a heart attack or something sudden, an accident, it was okay to seek medical assistance and help on the Sabbath day. Jesus is trying to show them here that the Sabbath day is actually to be used to restore man whole or complete, regardless of whether that situation that he finds himself in is chronic or whether it's of recent origin. By making this statement, he is also claiming equality with God the Father. He's saying, I am working today just as my father is working. The irony of this situation, Marek, is that in Jewish thinking, it was okay for God the Father to be working on the Sabbath. He needed to do that in order to maintain the force of nature, in order to maintain our lives. But here was this obscure Galilean, claiming to be equal with him and saying, my father is working at this very day and so am I. He is now placing himself on an equality with God and saying that what my father does, I also do. We are about the work of restoration. And I believe there's an implied rebuke to the, um, shall we say, the Jewish exclusivity and thinking on the Sabbath in this very text, Mark. Yes, good. Now, I, 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 this, this could really, really develop into a wonderful discussion, but here, ministering to the person in need, reaching out to heal and restore, lies at the heart of the divine character and mission as a, exemplified uh, in the work and activity of Christ. The God who rested at the end of creation when everything was pronounced very good and was in that perfect and sinless state was one reality, But what Christ is showing us here is a different reality. And God's presence and commitment to humanity comes in the form of working to restore that which was lost. Jesus brings the Father's compassion to view on the Sabbath. The greater implication is that for God there is no rest while humanity is suffering. Ministering to the person in need, reaching out to heal and to restore, lies very much at the heart of the activity and mission of Christ. Dear listeners, our time is really coming to an end. For Jesus, the Sabbath was such an important day. He was willing to go to the cross because of his belief and practice of the day of the Sabbath. How can anyone ever suggest that the Sabbath was abolished at the cross? It gave rise to the cross. 
We must never forget that. And as we study the concept of the Sabbath, as we have just barely started to do today, we will find that it's it's one of the greatest gifts that God has given to our humanity, particularly at this time of the world's history. And I want to conclude by sharing the words of Psalm 23, where the psalmist speaks of the rest that God invites us to enjoy. There he says the words, The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. What a beautiful psalm, Psalm 23. How nicely and eloquently it describes what God is trying to seek, is is seeking to do for us through the Sabbath. Why should we be anxious? Why should we worry? God provides for all of our needs, both physical needs and spiritual needs, and in him we can find our true rest. I commend to you God's holy seventh-day Sabbath. It's one of the most beautiful treasures that we can enjoy in this life. Joe, would you be kind enough to lead us in a closing word of prayer, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of the Sabbath. And we thank you for the rest that we can have through the Sabbath and that we can rest in your care. May we come to you every Sabbath for inspiration, restoration, Lord, transformation and empowering. Help us to see the importance of spending this holy time with you and allowing you to come into our lives and be a channel to others of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God bless you as you contemplate some of the thoughts that we have shared today. And thank you, panel. Uh, Thank you for sharing today. This was a wonderful uh, Bible study. And um, as many times I heard remarks like to those people who keep the Sabbath, saying this is a legalistic approach, I like to say again, we are saved because of the grace of God, because of his precious blood. We are not saved by keeping Sabbath, but because we are saved, we keep the Sabbath. And I would like to invite you next time to join us again when we look at heaven, education, and eternal learning. Until then, may God richly bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.